Colossians in the New Testament. You'll find that in the middle of your New Testament. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 12. I'd like to use a verse there as a springboard of some thoughts that I'd like to preach on this morning to you. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says there concerning this man by the name of Epaphras. And I have preached a series of messages on this gentleman concerning what he was and what he did and how we need to adapt to that. But I would like to focus on some things out of this verse this morning. And and, uh, and I believe you'll understand here in just a moment. Verse number 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you. And I think Epaphras was probably the pastor of this assembly, no doubt one of the leaders of the assembly. And you'll notice also that... uh, that Paul said, I bear him record that he has a great zeal for you. And certainly, any man that pastors a local church should have great zeal for his flock. Amen? And so the Bible also says that he cares about churches in other locations as well. And not just his own, but as well. And so some 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 folks get uh, the idea that the pastor is only supposed to care about their church and nobody else's church, but that's not what the Bible teaches. And the Bible says here that they are, he said he also had great zeal for them that are in Laodicea and them in Hierapolis. And so what I want you to look with me in verse number 12 here, you know, the apostle Paul assured each church that he wrote to in the Bible, basically most of them, is that he was praying for them fervently. He assures this church when he heard about them, he says, I cease not to pray for you. But he also requested their prayers as well. He understood the power of prayer and the potential of prayer. And so this morning, I want to share my heart with you as a pastor to you. Uh, and I sincerely want you to know this morning how that I will be praying for you this upcoming year and what I will be specifically praying for you about. Now, I know that you all have specific personal needs that you ask me to pray about. And I do pray for those. When you ask me to, I do. But now we're talking about other things as far as, you know, the will of God for each one of you that I believe to be in some degree the same in certain areas. Now, you know, I'm going to pray for your perfection. Is that all right? You say, well, Brother Roger, you're going to be praying for a long time. I'm going to be praying for your perfection. And if I pray for your perfection, I trust that God will reveal the direction that you need to go. And you'll notice that this pastor here was praying that they might stand, what's that word? Perfect. And he said, and complete in all the will of God. There is so many areas of the will of God in your life that have to be covered. I think about just as a my own life as a as a husband, 
as a father, as a grandfather, as a citizen, as a pastor, as a brother. All of those things all have different aspects of the will of God for me and for you. But you notice he says here, I'm going to pray for you that you might stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. And there are three areas God burdened my heart about for you that I'm going to pray with you about concerning your life and your direction here at East River. And I want you to listen carefully and understand the sincerity of my heart uh, as I pray for you about these things. The first one would be um, would be your fellowship with God. Now, if you're taking notes, it's a very simple message. I'm going to pray for your fellowship with God. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm going to pray for your discipleship. And I'm talking about your development as a disciple. And I'm going to pray for your stewardship. And we'll talk about that for just a moment. I'm going to pray for all three of these areas of your life this year. Let's talk about your fellowship with God. Because I'm going to pray that your fellowship with God would improve and increase. Do you understand that you've been saved for the purpose of fellowship? That God mercifully has saved us by His grace and made provision so that we might be able to have fellowship on a daily basis with Him. Now that amazes me. Because we can't hardly get along with each other. How in the world are we going to get along with God? Amen? And so, when we talked about being... The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 that you have been called into fellowship with God. You've been called into this fellowship. And the Scripture says... And let's look at Colossians chapter 1, for example. Look in verse number 12. We have been provided for that we might be able to enter into this fellowship with the Lord. Now, when I say this, what I mean by this is, look at chapter 1, verse number 12, as far as God providing fellowship, because I don't feel worthy sometimes to have fellowship with God. Now, I'm talking about from day to day. Some days I may feel a little bit more confident than others. And I'm expressing to you my feelings. I don't, I don't operate on feelings. But I'm not absent of feelings, contrary to what some of you may think. But sometimes I feel clean and I feel confident in fellowship. And then sometimes I don't. And I don't really know what I need to confess or fix, but I just don't feel worthy of fellowshipping with God. And that's when the Lord reminds me that it's not based upon my feelings. It's been based upon His provisions. Okay? And so if... I feel unworthy to have fellowship with God. First of all, I need to ask myself, have I done something or am I doing something that is displeasing to Him that would break that fellowship? And if so, He, the Holy Spirit, would reveal that to me, that I might make it right. And that I would search my conscience to see if there's something that I know that I have done. All right? That other area that is not uh, that is not of the Lord in this area, is the adversary. Because he will falsely accuse you 
and make you feel unworthy to fellowship with God. And we are unworthy except for the provisions of God. All right, now watch what he says here in verse number 13. Well, verse number 12. He said, give thanks unto the Father, which made us meet to be partakers. That means he's qualified me. You understand that? He has made me meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And he's delivered me from the power of darkness. He's translated me in the kingdom of his dear son. He has redeemed me through his blood and forgiven me of my sins. He's made provisions for me to have fellowship with him on a daily basis. So let me encourage you when you get up in the morning that you that you do this. This is the way I'm praying for you. You have to make this a priority and make up your mind that you are going to talk to God before you talk to a person, human. That you are going to talk to God before you talk to another person. And that then, if you have the moment and the time and the opportunity to check your text from God before you check your text from man. Would you do that? And would you read his book before you read Facebook? Would you do that? Now, if you're going to have fellowship with God, you're going to have to. The illustration, Brother Ed used a great illustration, and I've used it before many times about manna. He used it Wednesday night. In the Old Testament, God said, I brought you out here, and I'm going to provide for you daily, not based upon your goodness, but upon my goodness and my faithfulness. Every day, there was opportunity for them to go out and gather up uh, some honeycombs, basically. Some angel food cake called manna that would fall from heaven. And God said, I want you to have enough. He said, uh, and, and listen, he said, you're not going to be able to put it in the fridge. And you're not going to be able to put it in jars. He said, this is going to be a daily thing between me and you. Do you understand? So in other words, you can't get all your fellowship with God done on Monday. It's got to be every single day. Every day. You can't get it all done on Sunday. Say, okay, man, God be and you had a good day Sunday, rest of it's mine. That's pretty dumb. God says, I want you to, that manna was up there early, early every morning. God said, okay, listen, if you don't get up early and get it, the sun's going to hit it, it's going to melt. Worms are going to get it, it won't be there. And so the Lord said, hey, listen, I want the first part of your day. I want the first thought of your mind. I want the first words out of your mouth. I want me and you to fellowship. Do you understand? And I'm praying for you that you understand how serious this is because it affects everything else that you do. It affects everything. It permeates everything in your life. If you will not give God your morning time, a little bit of time, you say, well, I'm not a morning person. The manna was for morning people. So I guess you just go hungry. If you live back in those days... You're just going to go hungry. But I bet you, if you went hungry for about three or four days, I bet you'd become a morning person. Amen. And God's saying, hey, meet me. Talk to me before you talk to other people. And uh, and I realize that sometimes you wake up in the morning, you're in a fog. I understand that. 
And sometimes some mornings are worse than others. And if you're a mother and you've got children run all under your feet and things happen, I understand all that. And God understands all of that. We're talking about when you have a choice and can do some of these things. And I'll tell you what, God's merciful when you do have a day that goes sideways. God's merciful to you and help you and encourage you along the way. I'm just saying that I'm praying for your fellowship with God. And that provision has been made through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And if you have sinned against Him, Jesus Christ is not only your Savior, but He is your Advocate. And you confess your sins to God and He will forgive you and cleanse you. It's like taking a bath. It's like washing yourself. It's like saying, Lord, you know what I am. You know who I am. You know what I've done. You know I'm not worthy, but you've made me worthy. That is an act of faith that pleases God. It's not based upon how you feel that morning. So you confess those things to God. And if you don't do this, what's going to happen is, is that you're either going to be a Martha or you're going to be a Mary. I'm talking about in personality and in spirit. You see, in the Bible, there was a woman by the name of Martha who the Bible says was always serving. I mean, she was cumbered about with much serving. There was nothing lazy about Martha. But the problem with Martha is, is that she never took the time in her busy schedule to give some time at the feet of Jesus that she might become a sweeter Martha while she served do you realize sometimes you can be so busy serving that you actually hurt the people that you're working with? That's not the will of God. Now, Martha was cumbered about with so much serving that she became critical of somebody that she loved, and that was her sister Mary. Not only that, but she also complained to the Lord and said, Hey, don't you care about what's going on here? She basically was accusing Jesus Christ of not caring enough about her and not paying enough attention to her about her dilemma that she herself had created. And I'm just telling you that if you don't get up in the morning and give some time to God, everything else gets out of perspective. And you will not see others the way you ought to see them. And you will not see the Lord Jesus as you ought to see Him. And you'll have a a different spirit about you. So I would encourage you to start each day. There's a song that uh, Brother uh, Travis helped, uh, Brother Travis Alltop and and Brother Andy play the instruments on that they made a CD of out of Brother Ron's church. And one of those songs is, it starts out with this phrase. It says, I start each day with the Lord. Why should I face each day alone anymore. Have you thought about that? I'm going to, I'm going to read something to you that I received uh, from one of our church members back in January of 2018. I had preached the message about redeeming the time of, of getting some things in order in your life and placing these things and keeping them in your life all year long. Like you, like first thing you get up in the morning, there's certain things that you probably in a routine of doing. You need to make God a priority in your routine every morning. But here's what this church member said. I'm going to try to make it as generic as possible because I know some of you are FBI agents. And I realize that you try to figure out who it is rather than listening to the point. The note says, and listen, by the way, I've used this in preaching in other churches and it's had a powerful impact. On some other lives. I hope it does yours. 
Now maybe I've read it to you in the past, but I've slept since then. Alright? It says, I just wanted to let you know the message you preached on redeeming the time really stuck with me. I started thinking about what I spent my time on last year and realized I'd read about 200 books in 2017, most of them fiction. I never realized that something most people view as a decent hobby could turn into such a huge time waster. Now, you could put anything in there. You could put television, computer, Facebook, YouTube, all kinds of stuff you could put in there. Not wanting to replace reading with a fictional TV show or pointless music, I decided to limit myself to hymns, classical music, nonfiction books on TV, and TV shows. I cut my reading down to a book a month and it completely changed my life. It would, it would improve some of your lives if you moved up to a book a month. <laughs> I started watching a cooking show and it inspired me to put more effort into cooking nutritional meals for me and my family. Where I used to opt for whatever was fast and easy, I began spending a lot more time preparing healthier meals. Books entertain me, but taking care of my health and my family is fulfilling. I've been having health issues, but already they are improving, and my husband has voiced on multiple occasions how much he appreciates my efforts to be a better homemaker. Where I used to spend a lot of time reading in my room, now I spend much more time actually being productive and I'm able to spend more time with my family. For the first time since before I was married, I have found time to read my Bible every day. I could go on and on about all the positive ripples of giving up the things that were wasting my time, but I just want to tell you how much I appreciated your message and how learning to redeem my time has completely changed my life, my health, and my happiness. My only regret is that I didn't start sooner. Now, I wonder how many of us could just rearrange that letter just a little bit. And if we would just make the simple step of having fellowship with God, of talking to God before you talk to another person. I promise you the way you approach people after you've talked with God will be a little bit nicer a little bit easier, and a little bit more graceful. And when you check your text, your Bible text, before you read other people's text, read your Bible as if what he has to say is as important as some of your friends' nonsense is that they've sent to you. Amen, Brother Roger. And that you would read his book and look for something in there for daily instruction and help and inspiration before you check what's going on in everybody else's life. Amen? Amen. Praise God and the Lamb forever. I'm telling you, I am praying for you that you would take this step seriously. Your fellowship with God would increase this year greater than ever. Just sit and talk with Him. I mean, get your Bible out, get your cup of coffee out, and sit there in your rocking chair or your recliner or on your porch and talk to God. As if he is sitting right there next to you. And when you read that Bible, you read it like it's written to you. And let God speak to your heart. Amen. Would you, would you pray one for another? I'm going to pray for you daily about this. That there'd become a God consciousness in your soul about this. Your relationship with God would increase. Brother Roger, you understand how early I get up. 
how hard I work. Oh, some of you men get up real early. I'm talking about four or five o'clock in the morning. And that's early. And I know it's not as easy for some as it is others, but give God the first part of that morning. And, and, and let God have a part of your day. And you listen, I know some of you can listen to the Bible being read to you in your truck. If that's what you need to do, then do it. But let God have a part of your first day, each day, every day of your heart and life. And it'll change you. It'll change your family. It'll change you drastically if you will fellowship with God. And by the way, if that fellowship is broken during the day, you're but just a prayer away. And some humility away of getting right back into fellowship with God because He's interested in fellowshipping with you. That's, that's a fact. And when the Lord pricks your heart and says, I didn't like what you just did, then fix it. If God doesn't like what you just said, fix it. Get back in fellowship with the Lord immediately, just like you do with each other. Second of all, I want you to look in chapter 2 and verse number 6 of the book of Colossians. Let's talk about your development as a disciple. Your development as a disciple. Chapter 2, verse number 6. This is how I'm going to pray for you. You know, God's will, God's perfect and complete will, if you're here this morning, is that you, number one, be saved. Do you agree with that? That you become a son of God, a child of God through the new birth. You've heard the saying that if you're born once, you will die twice. So what do you mean? Well, you'll die and separate. Your soul and spirit's going to separate from your body. But you'll be called up to stand before God. And if you're not a child of God, then you'll be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible calls that the second death. Separated from God for eternity. And he says, if your name is not written in the book of life, you will experience the second death. You must be born again. So when I say chapter 2, verse number 6, he says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, that's your Savior, he become a child of God. He says, So walk ye in him. How did you receive him? By faith. By faith. And he says, So now you're going to have to develop your life. You have to develop your own life. Now we're going to try to help you. We're going to try to set up some things to help you Develop your life as a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. You get saved, that becomes the Son of God. Then you follow the Lord in baptism, identify yourself with Him, and then you become His disciple as He conforms you to His image. You've heard me many times preach to 1 Timothy about becoming a son, then becoming a soldier, having that warfare mentality. As a matter of fact, Brother Brent sent me a, he took a copy of a, of uh, notes he took that uh, he had been instructed to take notes, I think, for in, in his, in his uh, Wednesday night classes with the youth. And he had the outline of a message that I had preached on that. He took a picture of it and sent it to me. Uh, just uh, ten years ago, he took that the notes of that message about developing as a disciple, about being a son first. Becoming a soldier second, because when you get saved, we just learned and read a few minutes ago, you have been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. And you have been delivered from the power of darkness. You have changed teams. You've changed uniforms. I don't think the other team is going to like you as much. 
You better develop a warfare mentality and a soldier's mind. And the will of God is that you become a student. Are you a student? Oh, yeah. It just depends on what kind of student you are. You see, you start out being fed. And then you grow enough to where you begin to feed yourself. Then you grow up enough to where God can use you to feed other people. That's the will of God for everybody. And he said the reason why you don't ever develop is because you develop a dullness of hearing. He said for the things that, that, that you should be able to teach others, he said, Paul said, I have to go back over and over and over the simple things that you ought to be able to teach others. He said because of a dullness of hearing, you're not growing. He said, so I want you to become a student. And to do that, you've got to learn new habits of learning. But you've got to work at learning. Of course, there's some things you learn just by lessons. Amen? They're a little bit harder. But you can learn by learning how to listen, to read, pay attention, ask questions. Practice what you've learned. What's what God does in your life. Now, the ultimate goal here is not to be a lifelong student, though you are. But it's to be a servant. A servant. And a servant is somebody at one time was served by a developed disciple. And then you grew enough to where you could serve yourself. But the ultimate goal is that you wouldn't be self-serving, but that you would serve others. That is the will of God. And I'm praying for you that you wouldn't be like, you know, the first point about fellowshipping with God. You saw Martha, what happened to her concerning Mary. And Jesus straightened Martha out and said, Hey, listen, you got your priorities out of order. Mary, she's chosen the main thing. And if you don't get this part right, in that you begin to develop as a disciple, God saved you to fellowship with you, and then God saved you that you might grow and become like Him. Jesus came to seek and to save. Jesus came to serve. He washed His disciples' feet and He was always looking for an opportunity to be a blessing. He was a giver, not a taker. It wasn't about Him, it was about others. And you'll find that if you don't get that in your heart and mind and seek the preeminence of Christ, you see yourself serving if you're always looking for somebody to pat you on the back, praise your name, If you do something around here and you're not giving what you feel like is the appropriate praise and attention, then you get the poochy lip. The poochy lip. And you won't say what's really going on because you're too prideful to admit that's what it is. But your motive should be that Christ might receive the glory and the preeminence in all that we do at East River Baptist Church. And I'm for encouraging people, by the way. And I am for giving honor where honor is due. But let another man praise thee, not thine own lips. Amen. May God bless you in that area. And may you understand this. Don't become a diatrophes. A diatrophes who loveth to have the preeminence. It's all about me. Praise my name. Blessed be my name. 
That's their attitude and spirit. May God help you. And listen, we've got some good men. I was talking to some of these men the other night. How quiet they are in the background. And who seek no preeminence, but want to serve. Who are not looking for their name to be called. And who I greatly appreciate. I was thinking about that, talking about getting up early in the morning. And sometimes you don't really know the, the private life of an individual. I mean, I was Brother David Waller's pastor for, for almost 25 years. And it was, it was probably 20 years down the road that just by accident I found out that, you know, he, he gets up about, he would, he would get up about 4, 4.30 in the morning and pray for each one of us and pray for me specifically before he would go to work. And he did that for year after year after year, day after day after day. And he's quiet, minds his own business, not looking for attention, but one of the main soldiers. And just like some of you, others will never know some of the things that you do. But if you're seeking God to be glorified, it's okay. It's all right. A disciple wants the Lord to be honored and glorified, not himself. A man that seeks his own glory, really, is not... The Bible says it is not really uh, a good and godly person and really want to glorify the Lord. And so I want, to, I want to close with this thought here now about stewardship. Look with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to pray for your development as a disciple. I remember something, Brother Ed, you said years ago, and I've used it quite often as I preach around the, the country. God's blessed me, give me the opportunity to do so. Is that you can be young only once. But you can be immature for a lifetime. Do you realize that you can be stunted in your development as a disciple? He said, well, Brother Roger, I've been a member of this church for, you named the number of years. What I want to know is, is you may say you've been in school for 12 years, but still in the first grade. I'm not impressed. Do you understand what I just said? How long have you been going to school, son? Oh, man, I've been going 12 years, Dad. Or telling somebody that. What grade are you in? I'm in the third grade. There's something wrong with that picture. So it is when we come to church year after year after year after year because God's always changing something in us. God doesn't sit still with us. Just like your children grow and they change from year to year to year. God expect and listen, I want, I, I've been talking to God about this, Lord, I, I constantly wish to change. Not given to change. Unstable. I'm talking about being conformed to the image of Christ. I want to change. Change doesn't come easy. And the older you get, the more difficult it is to change. And the more stubborn you are, and the more prideful you are, the more painful it is to change. And the longer it takes. But God loves us. He's gentle with us. And I pray that you will desire to develop as well. I'm going to pray for you that God will develop you. All right, First Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Please, please listen carefully to this one. You know, if we could see into the world around us, it would change all of us here forever. If we could see into the spirit world, that there is another dimension around us. Hollywood believes that. 
Did you know that? They develop shows, and I've read several things recently of where that they are developing more shows to help kids to be able to get into the demonic through witchcraft and conjuring up, quote, good demons and good devils and good witches to confront evil. They believe in the spirit world. I don't know if some of you believe in it as much as you should. But there is another dimension. There is another world. It may be invisible, but it is not, what's the word? Imaginary. And one of these days, believe it or not, Jesus Christ is literally going to come back. And, 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 he, and in his uh, scope of doing things, I don't know how he's going to work all this out, Brother Brent, but we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what scares me is that Hebrews thirteen seventeen says that as a pastor... In 1 Peter 5, that I will answer to God for how I have pastored you. And you will answer to God for your relationship and response to godly pastoring. And he says that if you've had godly pastoring, teaching, and preaching, and I use that because I think that has to qualify. I I do, I believe that has to qualify. It's not just because it's a position, but because of godly pastoring, counseling, preaching. If you've had that, and how you respond to that, the Bible says in Hebrews 13 that if you if you rebel against that, if you walk away from that, you won't respond to that. He said, at that day, it will be unprofitable for you. That's what the Bible says unprofitable for you. That means if it's unprofitable, it means there's going to be some loss that takes place. Now, or should I say, there'll be some gains not given. And that's why some people really, they bother me when they tell me they don't need a local church and they don't need a pastor. They don't trust in the uh, those who congregate and they don't trust men who lead congregations. I understand that. Cindy and I have talked often, where would we go to church if we couldn't go to East River? Or if we got old enough, so old y'all didn't want us anymore. Or if we couldn't do our jobs and we had to retire, where would we go? You know, it's one thing for me to think about that, you know, as far as pastoring you. But it's another thing for me to think about being a church member and thinking about having a pastor. And how that there's not a lot of choices when we talk to godly pastoring. So I appreciate you don't have to be here. Thank you for coming. I don't take that lightly. For you men who really do love your wives and love your children and try your very best to lead your family, it's a big deal of where you go to church. It's a big deal who you trust with your family. Don't take that lightly. Now we're talking about taking your stewardship seriously. You see, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, look what he says right here in verse 10. He says, as every man hath received a gift. Now, he's not talking about the gift of salvation, Brother Lorne. 
And he's not talking about the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. We've all been given that. But when the Holy Spirit came to live with us inside, he brought with him gifts. You have a spiritual gift. Now watch, and I'm warning you again, I'm telling you again, I'll tell you again till Jesus comes. God saved you for a purpose. God gifted you. And I need you. I need that gift. This church needs you. We need your gift. Now watch. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister. And that's that word being a servant. So minister the same one to another as, what does that say? Good stewards. Does that sound to me like there's a moment of accountability? Somewhere down the road, there is going to be an accounting for what you have done with what God has blessed you to be able to do. And I know that some of us are shy, introverted. Some of us may have been wounded in the past. Maybe we're shy about getting involved again. But I'm just here to tell you, you better look at all of that and how you're going to answer to your king when you stand before him and what you did with what you could have done with what God gave you. Look what he says. He said, even so minister the same one to another because it's very easy to criticize people on the football field when you never get in the game and nobody ever hits you on the field. It's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback when you've never thrown the ball with about three, three, four hundred pound guys around you. The Bible says, and look at this, even so minister the same one to another. All right, now I need you to listen carefully. I won't be much longer. I need you to get this. This stewardship must be taken seriously. Now, I'm two areas I'm praying for you about this. Your stewardship and your gift is to be used in two areas. Number one, internally. That's one to another. That's the body of Christ. That's the church of God. Internally and then externally. That's when you leave here and go out into the mission field. When you walk out those doors, you're walking out into the mission field. All right. Now, internally... He says this, look at this. He said, as every man, does that mean everybody in here? Oh yeah, it does. Receive the gift. He said, Brother Roger, I don't believe I can do very much. Well, I believe that if you'll yield yourself and develop as a disciple, you may be surprised. Verse 11, if any man speak, well, let's go back up to verse 10. As the good stewards of the manifold grace of God, God has given you the grace to be able to do something. Verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. So here you have God giving you some abilities. You remember that illustration Jesus used? Hey, Call three guys up. One guy gets $1 bill. Next guy gets $5 bill. Next guy gets $10 bill. He said, all right, guys, get with it. And when he comes back, the guy that had 10, well, he took some risk. He invested. He made 10 more. The guy with five, he didn't pout and say, well, how come you didn't give me 10? Or 
Why'd you give me so much? You only gave him one, give me five. That burdened me. That's a burden to me. He took his five and he got with it, made five more. The one with one, he dug a hole in the ground and buried it. Didn't even put it in the bank to get any interest on it. And so when the Lord got back, he said, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that away from you. And I'm going to give to this guy over here who's got ten. Because if you're going to waste one, I'm going to give it to the guy who'll do something with it. Do you understand God's given you some things, and if you don't get with it, God may take it away from you. I'm just encouraging. I'm telling you. Now, that's internally. God's given you and grace you to be able to help each other. All right? And externally, the Bible says that when we got saved, we became part, partners with God, and He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. And what does that mean? I want to show you one more verse, and then let's go to the house, okay? This is how I'm praying for you. This is a big burden to my heart. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11, and I'm done. Ecclesiastes chapter number 11. Look with me, please, in verse number 4, and I'll expound on this later in the year, and more often in the year. Internally, we are stewards to minister one to another. We are ministers one to another. So I ask you this morning, what are you giving to your church? And I'm not talking about money. What are you giving? Do you just come and go? What are you giving? Are you doing anything to make any difference whatsoever in people's lives? There's a lot of things you can do when you hear of the opportunity of somebody having a need. Sister Stephanie, you have been a great comfort to my daughter Crystal. A great comfort to her. And when you are a comfort to my daughter Crystal, guess who else you're comforting? You're comforting her mother. You're comforting her father. Do you understand? You have been responsible for the improvement of my health and the increase of the strength of my heart since I've had a heart attack. When you see an opportunity to be a blessing, jump on it. I mean, jump on it. God will forgive you for being good. God will forgive you for helping and being a blessing. Do you understand? You say, well, I just don't like people. That's like sometimes I take some of my, some people, I take some people fishing with me. I love taking people fishing with me sometimes. Sometimes they don't want to touch anything. Now that's a problem. They don't want to touch bait. They don't want to touch fish. That's the way some people are at church. They want the blessings of God, but they don't want to touch people. They don't want to be a part of people's lives. May God help you. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 11, I'm sorry, chapter 11, look at verse 4. Now we're talking about now sowing seed. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you some practical things and we'll pray and go to the house. We are stewards of the gospel. Please accept that truth this morning. That we are all involved in the ministry of reconciliation. God has done His part in Christ Jesus on the cross. He's given us the message of reconciliation. We are to sow the seed and be light bearers. Look in chapter 11. Look in verse 4. It says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow. 
You see that? And he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If you're waiting for the perfect opportunity to sow a seed and be a witness, it will not and it will rarely ever come. So don't depend on the circumstances. Look in verse 6. Look at this. Well, let's look at verse 5. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. He said, you sow the seed, leave the rest up to me. That's what he's saying. You don't understand the development of a child in a womb. How can you understand how I deal with a sinner's heart and draw him unto myself? You don't know. You just think you know. Verse 6. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether what shall prosper, either this or that, whether they both shall be alike good. God is saying that I want you to commit yourself to sow some seed. So let me ask you to do this this year. I'm going to pray for you about this. Take what you can, do what you can with these thoughts. Knock on some doors. Get somebody to go with you. Knock on some doors. If you can't do that or won't do that, write some letters. Send them a CD of a service that maybe you think they might could get some help from. Send a text. Post something about God and the gospel. Invite somebody to church. Leave them a track when you go out to a restaurant. But be sure you leave a tip. More than 50 cents. Number five, turn any question or conversation that you're having that's on a serious note toward the Bible and toward God. Plant that seed. By the way, it could be about politics and you can always turn that to God. And the end times and what's going on in Persia right now. That's Iran and Iraq. That's Persia. And what God is going to do with Gog and Magog, that's Germany and and Russia, those areas. That's God at work in prophecy. Use modern day events about the Lord's return. And and if you really get the chance, give them your testimony. And tell them you're praying for them. And you know what? When you pray for somebody and say, hey, let me pray for you right now. Did you know that you can sincerely, without vain repetition, thank God for sending Jesus Christ to the earth to save you from your sins? Right there in front of that sinner. Or that friend. But sow the seed. You and I are not responsible for the increase. We're responsible for sowing the seed. Let's stand together, please. Your fellowship with God, your development as a disciple. Stay in church. Get yourself in church. Attend all the classes. Take notes. Ask questions. Take your stewardship seriously. For you will one day stand before God and say, Lord, I wished or I'm glad. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, I do thank you for the East River Baptist Church. We know not what a day may bring forth, much less a week 
a month, or a year. Lord, we know not exactly what shall fall out with us concerning our new building, the highway. We can speculate and we can plan, but we don't know. We trust you. As we said last week, we look unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Our help, East River Baptist Church's help, cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And we look unto you, dear God, and we trust you. And I pray for the members of this congregation, for their fellowship with you, for their development as a disciple, that they would want to grow and change, become more like you. And they would take their stewardship, the things you've graced them with and gifted them with, that they would use these things with godly charity to minister one to another and to carry the gospel in every direction that they go. Now, Lord, please do a work in our hearts. May this message be pleasing to you. May we take it to heart. Thank you for good people that love you and want to do right. In Jesus' name, amen.